This is Tort Talk with Terrence A. Gross, a board-certified personal injury lawyer. Welcome back to Tort Talk. This is the podcast where you hear about legal things that maybe you didn't know, maybe you did know. And if you did know, hey, maybe you're a lawyer. And this is kind of just a little bit of research for you. Don't blame me there. But I love being able to talk about this stuff because I'm a layman. I'm Paul Stadden. I'm the host. I'm a guy who owns a studio. I get to talk to the expert. And the expert that is on this show, you're going to recognize him because you've listened to the other 19 episodes. It's Terrence Gross of Gross & Schuster. Welcome back, Terrence. Glad to be back and uh, glad to continue on with our topic. Glad to be talking about litigation. And last week we ended on a cliffhanger because I asked a question and we realized we were just out of time. But hey, that's okay because we're here at this episode now. So let's talk about the question. Can you recover any costs if you win? Uh, As a plaintiff, let's say the plaintiff wins, can I recover costs? The answer is yes. There's actually something called the taxable cost Guidelines. So it's a guideline for a judge, and it's very complex, and I could bore you to death with it. It's costs that the judge deems that were relevant and needed for litigation, like a doctor's deposition. If you use the deposition, that should be a recoverable cost. But I would say, as a rule of thumb, you probably get about 50% of your costs back because they're not going to, you know, we, we spent a lot of. Uh, cost on, on copying records and getting medical record bills from uh, hospitals, those are usually not recoverable. Ah. Uh, duplicate copies, maybe if I'm making an exhibit for court, that may or may not be recoverable. So it, it, just a rule of thumb to make it easy for the layperson. If you spend 20000 in cost on a case and you win, the judge will probably give you 10000 of that back on top of the jury's verdict. Okay. Okay. Well... I mean, I'd say this makes sense, but again, I, uh, I am the layperson, so, um, I am trusting you on all of this. Um, so do the attorney's fees change in litigation? Because I think you mentioned last time that there was a difference between if you were going to settle before, or if you're actually going to go to court, can you give me that breakdown again? Now, here's the the guidelines, and this was generated in 1986 by the Supreme Court in the Florida Bar. So before then, I, w- I started in 79. Mm. So before 1986, it was the Wild West. Oh, okay. You could charge wherever you want, and your agreement was this. You made up your agreement. There was forms going around, but there was no uniformity. And the Florida Bar and Supreme Court says, this has got to stop. The public's being confused. Some of you lawyers are charlatans and whatever. So they they the rule is pretty hard fast for cases under a million dollars that it's uh, one third if you can settle, forty percent if you sue. Now those are what we call top end caps, mm. a cap on fees. Okay, there's no rule that you you can't charge less. Mm. Okay. So when they made that rule, when they made the rule in '86, and I was a young lawyer, I thought forty percent. That just sounds high because it's 40% plus cost. We've already talked about how much litigation costs are. Right, right. So what if I litigated case to the nth degree and 30 days before trial, they finally roll over. Now they roll over. I've done a lot of work, but if I charge 40% plus my costs, that could be 50%. Right. And I don't really want to penalize my client because more often than not, it's not my client that's that's been the difficult uh, entity. It, it's the insurance company dragging their right. feet. So I don't want to penalize my clients. So I, I am probably the, maybe the only lawyer in Florida 
with over 25 years experience and I got 43, I bet you if we interviewed all the trial lawyers and asked them, have you charged 40%? They're going to say, yes, I've never charged 40%. It's in my contract, right? but I always compromise lower uh, because I want my client to get as much as possible. Uh, there's many a cases I've litigated, litigated, litigated. And when I finally looked at the final settlement, the numbers, I voluntarily went to one third. There are cases that I have now that I settle pre-suit. I mean, we don't have a, any litigation, but maybe there's just not enough insurance. Maybe what if somebody's really, really injured? Here's a good example. I, had a, right. I have, a, have a fella I just settled in the past year or two, really nice fella. He was on Highway 87 in Santa Rosa County, and a drunk driver ran a stop sign, broadsided him. My guy broke his neck. Hospital bills were 500000 the drunk had nothing, of course, as usual, no insurance. My guy had a hundred thousand of uninsured motors. We got the hundred, but then how do you get any money in his pocket? And it, so I got the hundred within a month or two of the accident. It took me two years to deal with these bills, to get write-offs and negotiate. And I finally got it to where he was going to get something. But I, I said, I'm getting everybody else to compromise. If I'm asking the hospital to take mm -hmm. less, you know what I do? I'm taking less. I'm going to let the hospital know. So I took a 25% fee, 25000 I waived 8300 even though the contract said right. he owed me that. And and he ended up getting, I forget what he got, 40-something. So we did pretty good. It took forever. He, he was Ugh. certainly the case is worth way more than that, but it was only 100 That's all we could do. Right. But I wanted to sweeten the pot for him. He's the guy that broke his neck. Right. Right. I mean, he's the injured party. I want the injured person to get more than me. You know, it just <laughs> right. doesn't feel right. Right, right. I mean, it does make sense. I mean, that is, there's a, a I want to say romantic notion. I mean, I would have to assume, and maybe you can speak to this from the personal standpoint of, you become a lawyer. You know, a lot of people get into things for the what, like, oh, I want to make money. Uh, well, okay, that's, no, that's a byproduct. That's not your why. And so- for something like being a lawyer, what I've found and the lawyers I've talked to and the lawyers I, I follow uh, in terms of like YouTube content and talking about law, they're pretty passionate people about this. And so they get into it to defend people. And so that generally shows in their billing like this. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but you became a lawyer for this purpose, right? Yeah, and I I didn't really know I was going to be a personal injury lawyer, but I morphed into it. I started doing probably 90% criminal defense, but over time, so by, after six, seven years, by 1985, I decided I wanted to be a personal injury lawyer, but I kind of liked the David Goliath thing, because if you think uh, about it, yeah, yeah. well, you think about it, we're going to get State Farm, think about right. all the right. billions of dollars they have, all state. And they can get the the most expensive lawyers. I love the David Goliath aspect of it. And I also like helping the injured party. I mean, you're sitting there minding your own business. You're in good health. Your, your world's rocking. And all of a sudden, some girl texting rear ends you. And now you're in, you're getting injections and pain and you can't play golf. You can't hold your children. You, you used to coach the, 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 the little soccer league for your kids. You can't do that. And, 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 there, and how do you put money on that? But it's real. These are real life things. So I really empathize with the injured party. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'd like to get them compensation. So I like what I do. I feel I'm wearing the white hat. Now, the insurance companies paint us as the problem. Ah. And, and there are some 
unscrupulous lawyers. I, I hate some of these ads that uh. some of these plaintiff's lawyers do by and large, but there are a good bunch of lawyers. But at the end of the day, I feel I'm wearing a white hat and I feel more often than not the insurance company's wearing a black hat. I think we're the good guys. We may not, <laughs> you may not feel that they call us ambulance chasers and everything I've heard, right. but we take it on a contency and a good lawyer is going to fight it tooth and nail down the bitter end. If, it, if it's an unreasonable settlement, I'd like that. And I, and, and, and of course prevailing and, and you should see their faces when you do get a, 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 a I've had people cry when I'm giving them the settlement check and, and everything they've gone through. The money never, if you're really injured, the money it doesn't replace that. Everybody I've represented yeah. that was really injured would rather go back to the day before the wreck and not drive their car. But normally you don't get that choice in life. So I can't put the person in jail that hits you if it's not criminal. I'm not a prosecutor. I'm a civil prosecutor. I'm not a criminal. Mm-hmm. I can't make my client better. I'm not a doctor. So all I could do is try to get them compensation. And and when I really believe in somebody and my heart goes out, I'll go the extra mile. May, now, do I get clients that maybe I'm a little suspicious of whatever? Mm-hmm. Well, those cases we never sue on. We talked about earlier, when do I sue? If I think you're embellishing and whatever, uh-huh. uh, that case is going to quickly be pushed under the rug one way or, or, or another. You know, so I, I would assure anybody listening that if a lawyer's in the courtroom with the injured party, that lawyer believes in the case. If you've got all the with all that effort, we've talked about the cost right. and the time. There's no lawyer on God's green earth that's going to go to trial for someone that's a faker or malinger. You're just not going to do it. And that helps a lot, I think, because there is that perception uh, that you know the the lawyer doesn't mind lying on behalf of the client, doesn't mind if they lie. As long as they can they can fake it, they can make it. Uh, but the other lawyer on the other side is also doing their own investigation. Correct. And they're going to come out with evidence that shows you're faking and lying anyway. Like, well, here's a video of your client walking to a Baskin-Robbins yesterday and walking out with ice cream. And like, but, you know, they're obviously not paralyzed. So it, it, these kinds of things can be found out. Right. So, I, I mean, I feel like that, is just an easy Hollywood trope that gives you a chance for some drama in a TV show rather than what really happens in a courtroom. And I have been fooled, but you mentioned surveillance. I'm glad you brought that up. So yeah. surveillance could be a game changer. And I've had cases where I was, I was falling, Oh my God. And I've seen the surveillance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen a lot, right? But, but once in a blue moon, it does. And I've gone to my client and sometimes we end up selling for 50 cents a dollar after I see that. I, <laughs> I you know, I, I give them the, you know, the riot act and go, you just said that you couldn't mow your yard. You couldn't do this. And, and now they got you mowing your yard. I'm going to hire you as my landscaper. And, right? and you <laughs> right. said you can't do any of this stuff. <laughs> so, so I've had those cases and, but thankfully for me, they're few and far between. Right. I'm a pretty good judge of character. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and so forth. Like I, I just got that sixth sense, uh, for uh, people being honest versus dishonest. But you're right. Uh, that there's there, there there are just you know, this whole ambulance chaser thing, and mm-hmm. and I think these some of these lawyers that advertise, they don't know that they're hurting us. You know, I got mm-hmm. three hundred thousand. You see them smiling. They look perfectly perfectly well. If they got three hundred. They probably had a few surgeries. That plates and screws. You just don't see them. They're right. just smiling on the TV. And meanwhile, <laughs> they got a plate and screws in their back, and they got three hundred thousand. I I wouldn't want. I plates and screws in my back for three hundred thousand, but but their little smile on TV looks. You know, there's the messages. I got three hundred. 
because I got this lawyer. I'm not hurt. That's what they're trying to send right. you. And they don't realize those lawyers don't go to trial. They're the advertising lawyers that are turning the cases over. Lawyers like me that are in the trenches, the ones that go to trial, we're the ones that get hurt by that. Mm, well, I'm really glad that we're able to kind of shed some light on this because uh, in addition, and this is a little bit selfish on my part because I just like busting movie tropes. <laughs> you know, I, that's the fun of it for me because uh, I'm the pop culture guy. You're the lawyer. In fact, if people want to talk to you, Terrence, about their legal need, how would they contact you? 850-434-3333 or visit us on the web at grossandschuster.com. Next week, we're going to be talking about, the, ooh, we get to talk about the loser pays rule. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I know we've discussed a little bit about this before uh, on one of the previous episodes, which of course you all have listened to. So take a listen to this next week. And I think it's going to be really fascinating as how it factors into a lawsuit. See you next week, Terrence. Terrence.